Good evening uh, for Hyderabad. Mm. Let me look at the time zones. For our furthest church, it's just 3.49 in the morning, Anchorage, Alaska. Happy New Year. Rest of the U.S. is almost 7.45. UAE is evening 4. <coughs> Jerusalem is 2. Egypt is 2. And uh, other end, it's almost going to be midnight in Melbourne. Melbourne. Mm. So everybody, we are still on the first. Hallelujah. So happy New Year. <laughs> we got our promise and believe it. I do believe strong and we are already seeing by midnight it started. People are getting promoted. It's interesting that while the worship was going, one of the person, the worship team got his promotion. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pranit got his promotion and he was wondering why his phone was ringing, ringing. So we just thank God. Things are happening. Hallelujah. You know, God is good. Please remember, God is good. He's always good. And we just have to obey Him. And when He tells us to obey Him, He's not trying to hamstring us. He's trying to bless us. So we just thank God. I truly believe this will be a year. Year. I had so many mails from India, Mayhem, abroad. People just breaking down and crying when they got the promise. You know, this people are suffering. They're just waiting for a move of God in their lives because only He can restore. And the fact that we all regret those years that have gone by. Our God is a God who can give back. Give back. Without no effort, He can give those years back. That in a minute, like, I mean, the most powerful statements is the two names of Joseph's sons. God has made me forget. God has made me fruitful. Actually, it means double fruitfulness, Ephraim. You know, that's why we also, and we see in Job's case also, the Bible says he, we say in English, he gave him double for his trouble. Oh, yes. okay, when God, God restores. It is not like weeping cough. He gives you double for the trouble. It's like a father who spanks the child and the child is very upset but repent, cry, say sorry, then take him out for an ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, remember. <laughs> not an ice cream. All young ice parents cream. remember. Okay, that's what he says. Okay, this is, I'll give it double for their trouble. So God is good. So this, uh, this first of January, we just want to thank God. I just want to bless every one of you who are online and will be listening. And I want you to believe. See, when Jehoshaphat was facing an incredible incredible and surmountable enemy. The numbers were like sand on the earth and they were very weak. And when they humbled themselves, sought the face of the Lord. If you could go there, twenty 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 second Chronicles, 20. second Chronicles. I want that, that word up there so that everybody can see it. So this is what, uh, this is what, There is one verse over there. Yeah, got it? Yes. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. See, the enemy is still there. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The year is ahead. Technically speaking, nothing has changed. Okay. But this is what Jehoshaphat said, stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord, your God, 
and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. The prophecy, the word that God has given us, and it's just not mine, and confirmed through four others in our churches, so there is confirmation. The word that God has given us, believe in God and believe in the promise, and God shall prosper us. God shall prosper us. You have to believe. That's where it all comes. So this is first. My prayer for everyone is that we'll believe God and we believe God's promise because all God's power and provision are in his promises. So we will believe. No, this is God's promise for us. So we'll pray. Father, this evening here in Hyderabad, we just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You brought us through 2021, Lord. It was a difficult year for almost everyone. Difficult, difficult year. But when we look back now, how wonderfully you brought us through, Father. We just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. You brought us through, Father. You kept us, you protected us, you preserved us from the hand of the enemy, Lord. And you did not deal with us as we deserved, O Lord. You were merciful and kind, Father. Now, as this new year begins, we come in this year into thy hands. We believe you. We believe the promise you have given us. And we pray, <coughs> help us, Lord. Help us to obey what you say. And we know, Lord, no power of darkness will prevail. Yes, Lord. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. You will give us victory. You will fight our battles. And we will stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. Amen. And we will prosper, Lord. We will prosper. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for everyone in all our churches. All the brothers and sisters who send the questions, oh, Father. There are many who are part of us. They cannot be part of a church because they are in such places where there are no believing churches. But we thank you for every one of them. And we pray, Lord, your hand would be upon all of them, Lord. Questions are there today, many new, lots old. But, Lord, you have the answer, and the answer is Jesus. Help us to be true to your word and true to your spirit, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we'll start with question number 23 regarding the promise again. Okay, 23. Yes, it says, this promise is for all of us. Would you say it is better to claim it in your personal life or collectively as a church? I mean, primarily it is both, but personal comes first. You know, we, we, uh, imagine the Bible says, uh, we are many parts, but one body. We can now think about one part of the body, uh, being injured. It affects the whole body. Okay. On the other hand, if one part of the body prospers, it affects, it can help the rest of the body. So mm-hmm. you have to look at both, okay? Like let us say we are all of us sitting over here and let us say uh, David gets two promotions this year and he's blessed more than anybody. Suddenly he becomes a source of blessing to others, okay? So see, it is not the same way God deals with everybody. Because if everybody has the same gift, it would be pointless. It's hmm. one thing we need to realize. Everybody, see, let us say JTC Hyderabad has 100 mature believers and everybody is preaching. And what about the rest of the things? Now, there are so many functions. So we need to believe that promise that each one will prosper. First, restoration. 
and then each one will prosper according to their purpose in the body of Christ. Okay, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Mm. That's what the Bible is very clear. Paul talks about it. What where the leg wants to do the hands work, and the hands want to look like an eye, it look odd, right? But when they're working in unity and each one fulfills their purpose, then the whole body prospers. But before the body can be can prosper, like Pastor Vijay was saying before we started, because he went cold turkey for twenty one days, he didn't eat at all. So when he tried eating it's not easy, stomach is hurting. Okay? So before we can prosper, first restoration has to take place. <laughs> okay? So the first couple of days is going to be difficult. So actually, I was telling him and like, he can ask Dr. Richard, go slow, I mean, eat stuff which is easy on your stomach. Don't immediately go on the beef and mutton and all. You're going to be in trouble. Take something which is easy. And for Indians, of course, curd rice is the best thing for your stomach when you're coming out of all these things. But what I'm saying is, first God has to restore us. Mm. Then He will prosper us. You know? So first yeah. is the process of restoration. Personal life. It has to be personal first. Okay, personal first. Otherwise, I'll be a miserable man if I see the rest of the body prospering mm. and I'm still miserable. No, it has to be personal. Okay, it has to be per- personal. And then the whole body. Why I say each one personal is that then only I can be a blessing. If Abraham is not blessed, then Abraham cannot be a blessing. Amen. Abraham cannot be a blessing. So actually when you are saying, Lord, make me a blessing, Mm. you are actually saying very smartly, Lord, bless me. Hallelujah. But remember, remember, okay? <laughs> remember when you, whatever you say, God will hold you to account. Amen. Okay. If you're a crook, you will say, Lord, bless me. Meaning, I don't want to give out anything, just bless me. <laughs> but if you understand, that's the not reason. what God's intention is. You say, Lord, make me a blessing. I want to be a blessing in mm. the body of Christ. Okay. And that's how it works. So claim it. Okay. It's for all of us. Mm. Personally, and I would say, because many of the places where they are listening now, there are many, many people over there, so many, and all have come through difficult situations. But individually, we need to be blessed. Individually. Because we are not going to live as a community until we reach heaven for all time. Uh-huh. Each one will move different. Like uh, you know, this week, uh, David will go back to Chennai. Okay? So we, people will move to different places. It's not no guarantee we'll all be together for all time. So therefore, each one personally has to be restored and blessed. So wherever you go, you will be a blessing. Hallelujah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, as a sim- simple example of that, I want you to go to Acts chapter eight and uh, uh, verse four or five. Okay, just let me give it to you. Yeah, four. Acts 8, 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 2, you will see they all gathered daily for the apostles' doctrine. Mm. And this is a very established church. They are growing, growing strong in the word. And the human mentality is not, we want to live like this forever. Mm. God says, no, I mm. want you to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Wow. Now, if you won't go on your own, when I tell you, I will smack you and kick you out of this place. So that's what it, that's what 8.1 says. Okay. That's what 8.1 says. Hmm. Hallelujah. What does it say? And, uh, great persecution arose against the church, which was Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. 
Okay. One eight and eight one goes together. Okay. Wait in Jerusalem. You shall have receive power and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now you don't want to leave Jerusalem, then great persecution will arise in Jerusalem until you are scattered to the ends of the earth and you will take be my witnesses. But the key is this. They are restored. They prosper in the word. They have doctrine. And when they go, they are a blessing wherever they go. Because the greatest blessing we can give somebody is be a channel of God's salvation. That's eternal blessing. Everything else in this world is temporary. Even the gifts will cease. I lay hands upon you, you receive a gift. That also after this life, it won't be needed. But salvation is the greatest gift you can pass on to somebody by leading somebody. That's why that is the greatest uh, reward promised in the kingdom of God. Those who lead others into righteousness. Daniel says, shine like stars. stars. So that is the greatest gift. So you look at the whole thing, but also say, Lord, I want to be a soul winner this year. Amen. I want to be a soul winner. This in your own, because you have capacity which we do not have. We, of course, through our preaching of the word of God and God saves people. But you have the power to witness. You have the power to witness. And you have, that's what the Bible says. You shall be my witnesses. And you have to ask God, Lord, I want to witness. I don't know how to do it, when to do it, but you open doors. Open doors and give me the courage, you know, give me the courage and lead people into the kingdom. Okay, that's that's the whole thing. Okay, so restoration is personal, restoration is corporate. But in the corporate, there is no guarantee everybody will be restored because it also depends upon what God has asked us. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, half of it is what God is requiring of us. There are always requirements of God, okay? A blessing and conditions. When we fulfill that condition, the blessings will come. But then I can fulfill it only for myself. Yes. I cannot fulfill it. I can pray, cry out, Lord, spare your people. But I cannot fulfill it for them. Each one has to cry out. Each one has to turn with all their heart. Each one has to rend their hearts. And then God will speak in their personal restoration. And stay there. Stay there. Because hmm. you have to stay there and wait. Wait. Because when God does it, how God does it, don't have any pictures of what restoration will be like. Mm-hmm. Will be like. Okay, restoration will be like, you know. And you can get it all wrong. But remember that. I think it's Ephesians 320. God blesses you more abundantly than... Oh, yes, 320. Yes. Yeah, 320. Yeah. Okay. It yeah. will be... Exceeding the abundantly. It will be... It will be like uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You can get it wrong. Let me tell you how you get it wrong. Okay. Joseph gets two dreams. And then he's sold. And he's sold and goes as a slave. And before you know, he becomes the head steward of a big house. And he thinks it's a fulfillment of his dream. <laughs> oh, I'm the head steward of it. I never thought I would rise up. Then a false accusation is thrown in the prison. But before you know, he becomes the head also there. And he says, okay, these are, I'm ruling over all this. But what he thinks is nothing compared to what God actually has for him. Wow. But if you look at him at every place, he is the head and not the tail. And you can misunderstand, this is the promise. Mm-hmm. Well, God actually has for you, 
cannot be, be, be cannot even be imagined so even when you are going through this process remember god is preparing you always for something bigger and of course the biggest will come in eternity and that is eternal so never never what you what i say uh, short circuit the process the process is very important the process sometimes is more important than the end because it is the process that god puts us through that prepares us for the end that god has for us amen so don't short circuit the process yes. because if you short circuit the process then you are not a believer you are a communist because communism says the end justifies the mean we want a you know, equitable society so if we kill half the capitalists it is okay those who oppose us we will finish them all off and they will take from the rich and give it to the poor god says it doesn't work then you are being unfair the rich man who rich if you honest rich man he worked hard he is logged he invested properly he made this money and this guy has done nothing you take it away from him and give it to him and make everybody equal that is not righteousness that is not fair but in communism the end justifies the means in christianity you know the means are very very important and that's why that prayer lord teach me your ways the bible is very clear about jesus christ in hebrews chapter 5 even though he was a son he learned obedience, learned obedience through what he suffered. suffered and then he was made perfect, perfect. Okay. god did not allow his son to short circuit the process if you look over there though he was a son yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected he became the author of eternal salvation to all who the simple question is he is god now why does he have to go through this you are already perfect come in that way and no god says no i'm putting him as a way for you this is the way you will all have to go so he was exalted to the highest position he says i want to exalt you all so there is a restoration and there is a process for your restoration once you are restored stay there stay in that narrow path you know like i said to 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 get healed is very easy to remain in health is what is difficult mm. that's a process of obedience to get delivered is not very easy all you need a man or a woman who's anointed prays over you the demons leave you are delivered to walk in your deliverance mm. is what is difficult that's a process that's a process and god is not talking about healing or deliverance he's talking about health and liberty mm-hmm. that's why he actually kjv slowly one it will actually put it properly when he comes and asks people his question is do you want to be made whole and mm-hmm. i and all will make it do you want to be healed the 10 lepers one 10 were healed one was made whole, whole. because he came back fell at his feet jesus says you will be made whole because now you have understood this is the way to go yes pastor vijay will go to the next question again pastor because you've talked about uh, different parts of the body and having uh, different functions mm. uh, the question of 24 i think will be a good correlation 24 24 24 okay this is what it says mm. many times god alerts me to wake up and pray for someone mm. but i do not share them with the prayer team I believe he alerted me and not everybody. So I pray in my closet. Do you think I am wrong for not sharing this with the prayer team? Like now um this dear sister from New York has used the term prayer team, okay? Now it is right and it is wrong depending upon the context. Okay, the context is this. 
there are uh, two things over here. One is burden. One is burden. The other is ability. Like you have a prayer request that is coming in and you have a personal burden, God knows. Mm. And the burden is there in your heart. So because of that burden, you are able. Why is God able to send Moses to Egypt? Because he's got a burden for the children of Israel. Because 40 years earlier, he had made it very clear. He said, no, I'm not the Pharaoh. So so the burden is, you cannot put a spiritual task on somebody who does not have a a burden. Like if you see in Jivan Jyoti, if you see that in Jivan Jyoti, all the nuns who's been there in charge, you see Ma and I are very close to them. Always we are very close to them. Do you know why? Because both of us come from Catholic backgrounds. So we've got a heart for them. We know what it is to be a Catholic and be devout and not know God. Not know God. Okay? So that's a background from which we come. So we have a burden. And so Paul has a burden for his people. So he will go, gets beaten up, get up and still go to the next town to the Jews. And it begins with that. He's got a burden. So when you have a burden, God will put a burden on you because you know you will be faithful to that. And you will be truly be able to pray with, with uh, intensity. Somebody else may not have that burden. A prayer team necessarily is a praying team and it can be a praying team without that kind of a burden. Mm. Okay, cannot be that kind. It's it's just just like if you look at uh, uh, people in our church uh, who work in different IT companies. If you go and check their background, none of them are doing what they were actually trained for. (laughs) Right? Everybody did something else. Now we have people who have done different subjects. Everybody is in. Okay, so you need to realize when you're talking about a prayer team. You have people and they may have different burdens. Mm. Different burdens. Okay. So sometimes you have to use discernment, but sometimes uh, the situation necessitates that you have to let them know. Mm. Because like Sadhusundar Singh said, I'm such, somebody came and said, I'm such a sinner and how can God answer my prayers? So he said, do you know all the water that uh, on earth, in the sea, in the lakes, the ponds, everything, Everything evaporates and goes up. But when it comes down, the rain, it is fresh. Mm. He says the water that goes up, it's all from dirty, dirty places. But you don't get dirty rain down. The rain that comes, the water is fresh. He says it is not dependent upon you. It is dependent upon him. So this other side is also there. As many as you pray, it is always good. It is always good. Then I said uh, uh, ability. Ability meaning I meant what I meant by is that like personally speaking, like uh, mind I don't share many of prayer requests because I know if people were to hear, they would get scared. Yeah. Would get scared. And uh, it is not needed to burden people, no. If you, if, if I give you a piece of information and if it doesn't edify you or cause you to pray, instead it causes you to pre, pre uh, fear and worry, then it is better not to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Why, why put people into trouble? You know? So 
as a senior person of a large ministry over there, the sister who wrote, you also need to know your team. Can they handle this or not? Like when when we are as parents, if all the parents sitting over here, we don't discuss our trouble with your children. But they will they, they will start worrying. Mm. Okay, worrying. The only thing I did with my children years back when they were small was that I didn't share my troubles, but I showed them every day how God comes through for us. The two different things. I always, every month, I showed them. You see, this is how it comes through. You know what? I always wanted to show them basically that one day your father's God should become your uh-huh. God. And usually when you go out into the world and you become young and start on your own, one of the first places you experience God is in the area of provision. See, if you experience God as being faithful in the area of provision, the rest will fall in through. Because in the world, the biggest worry of man is provision. So if you go into Matthew chapter 6 and you see over there, in if you, if you, you will see this thing, you know, how God says over there, how many times he uses that term. Mm-hmm. If you go to words... Uh, 25 onwards. Yeah, if you go over and over three times, he says, you know, four times he says, don't worry, don't, no, not three times, 25 he says, don't worry, mm. 27 he says, don't worry. If you, let's go from 25 onwards because this is important. Because if people, uh, yeah. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, mm. what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Okay, let's go from 24. Yeah, that's the context. That's that's the context. Okay. You can't serve two masters. Yeah. Okay, 24. Yeah. Okay. No man can serve two masters. So either he will hate one and love the other or else you're loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So he says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not this life more than food and the body more than clothing? Okay. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet. Look at the difference. He doesn't say yet their father. No. No. This is your father. He says, I'm their creator. I'm not their father. Mm. Okay. Creation doesn't worry, but children are. It's like simply saying me and me telling one of my kids, no, you are worrying, the dog doesn't. Like, let's say you have a family dog, okay? The dog doesn't worry, and you are worried. You are a child, and that is a dog. That's basically what God is saying, okay? Because what does worry do is that by worrying, we are serving man. Mm. Yes. That's what it means. That's why I said, look at the context. By worrying, we are serving man. We are not serving God. We're not serving God. So in every context, when you are dealing, I mean, I'm telling parents here, parents listening, when you're dealing with children, no, life is real. They have to be prepared for life. How do you prepare them for life? Not by worrying them. By telling them and showing them actually. See how God comes through every month. Okay. I, I, I was not a salaried in, individual where salary comes at the end of the month. I didn't even have a church then. I was just literally living by faith, taking meetings as people call. But Every month it came through. It always came through. And it came through, like he said, abundantly. So I used to tell them, see, this is how it comes. So don't worry. Don't ever worry. Your father will always take care of you. God will take care of you. 
So that's the thing. So whenever we share stuff, we need to be careful with whom you share issues, whom you share. Because some people cannot handle it. They get fearful. Mm. And when you get fearful, your prayer life goes out of the window. Okay? It goes out of the window. So yes, you should share with your prayer team. And also you should use discernment. Because you should know your prayer team. You should know your 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 church or organization who can handle that burden. You know? And God knew. God knew. He knew Moses could handle it. He didn't pick Aaron. He didn't pick any of the others. But he put that burden on one man. But he prepared him through the process, but put him on him because he knew he could handle it. And you will see also when Moses is out of the picture, how quickly they fall away. Okay, how they including how Aaron, hmm. including Aaron. Hmm. They are not able to handle that pressure. They are not able to handle the pressure. So prayer is handling pressure. Prayer is actually handling pressure. But you have to prepare your prayer team. Basically, mean teaching them to handle more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. Okay, if you look at Jesus' last hours, they couldn't handle the pressure. Because he was talking about his death, he was talking about death, preparing for them, but they were not prepared. So finally, if you look at it, he takes his disciples, 11 of them are there, then he takes three aside, to the three he actually poured out his soul, and said, would you stay up and pray for me one hour? They all fell asleep. Mm. Couldn't handle it. I think, I personally believe it was a sleep of depression. Because depressed people, they sleep. And they were so depressed, they fell asleep. Mm -hmm. So what's the point in sharing your burden with people like that? Mm -hmm. They get even more worried and even more depressed. You know? So you need to know your team. Prepare them. Strengthen them. You know? But later you will see they are a praying set. And they can handle pressure. You can't remain like that. Okay, You have to prepare people to handle all kinds of pressure. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So again, another thing related to personal uh, ministry. Uh, this is question number 26. Question okay, number that's 26. from Australia. Uh, recently, I have been receiving warnings about a few things. What, should, what steps should I take when the Holy Spirit gives me a warning about a future event? If the Holy Spirit tells me, do not mess with XYZ, then he will tell me and show me uh, to be alert. It is, a it is a setup. Sometimes I think it is fear. Sometimes I think I'm being a coward. How can you help me to go by the leading of the Holy Spirit and not fear? Okay. See, whenever we hear a warning, okay, whenever we hear a warning about danger, there's a natural, you cannot escape. There's a natural fear that comes. Mm. Mm. So we need to distinguish between that. Okay, this is a natural fear. Like now you go and let us say Jyoti is not well. She explains the symptoms to Dr. Richard and he looks at her. Naturally, a fear will come under. What is he going to say? Okay, what is he going to say? No, there's a fear. I mean, nobody goes happily to a doctor. You know? Unless he's your friend. Okay. Nobody goes, huh? yeah. Yes. Okay. And if you are in trouble, nobody cheerfully goes to a lawyer. You know, there are certain people you do not go with great joy. Okay, there is fear. So the Holy Spirit is warning us, okay, warning us. Of course, there is fear because he's warning of something terrible that is warning of something terrible that can happen. Okay, so he wants us. So, but there's a natural fear that will come. But then you have to 
move to the next level why did he warn you mm. if he doesn't want to protect you okay why this okay uh, otherwise he will tell you straight up like oh, i mean god is faithful okay he doesn't hide things okay he told straight up okay if you go to acts chapter 9 man is just beginning not even begun <laughs> going to begin his <laughs> uh, ministry and this is what god tells him straight up in acts chapter 9 hmm? verse 15 hmm. and 16 the lord said go for is a chosen vessel of mine who paul to bear my name before the gentiles kings and the children of israel if after that we, we we stop there we feel very happy and then says for i will show him mm-hmm. how many things he must suffer for my name sake okay so if you really have to go through that honestly surrendered before god god will prepare you for that mm-hmm. you won't be caught by surprise so paul was not caught by surprise wherever he went because he already had been forewarned mm-hmm. this is what you are going to go through so you are mentally prepared mm. okay like i say you have to be mentally prepared and i like sometimes you know I, I, like when uh, i went for my that, that surgery right you know uh, the first person i consulted you know he was very i mean i think he was going through his own crisis later so i'm not judging him he, he was going through his own crisis i think he lost his wife so but he was so depressed and by the time i talked to him i was even more depressed <laughs> okay. okay so though he's one of the best in the city so i told my wife i don't want to go back to him i need another doctor i want to check with another doctor okay the, the thing is here no we have to mentally prepare mentally prepare for eventualities one of the reasons why we insist on why we put so much onus on ministry of worship prayer and the word all three is that it actually builds you up okay mm-hmm. jude will tell you build yourself mm-hmm. up in the most holy faith okay and we insist on people getting baptized in the holy spirit because the bible says praying in tongues edifies us okay and when god prepares you for something you you have to be mentally strong okay mm. i don't want to use that psychological term you have to be spiritually strong mm, okay exactly. there are people who are mentally strong also and finally they fall apart because mental strength has its limit, limit. spiritual strength is limitless Less, exactly limitless Amen. Okay? mental strength has it. so you will see tough guys and all then you will see them when they are arrested put in prison they just fall apart broken depression they commit suicide and all because they were mentally very very strong as long as power was behind them but when that was taken away when it was taken away from them they just fall apart but christianity is not mental strength genuine christianity is spiritual strength so you will see from jesus on the cross down to all the apostles they don't break they don't break so we need to realize when god is yeah let's going back to that question, question okay? yes yes when god is showing us something okay uh, be alert okay now let me tell you this yeah, exactly what if we, if if god is alerting to something he's forewarning you okay and if you are going to i mean if you are going to let us say outwardly fail in that area he will tell you that otherwise there's no point of an alert 
we get always from the bank an alert whether it is you who withdrew or not. What is the point of the alert? If it is not you, call us up. We will cancel that transaction, right? But in some case, he gives you an alert. Mm-hmm. Okay, like uh, in uh, in uh, Paul's case, uh, the whole church came through. Agabus the prophet also took this thing and tied and said, this is the way you will be bound in this thing. And Paul says, I know. But I am going. I am going because the Lord has told me that's how I need to go. Okay, So he is being warned over here. He's given an alert. But he has already been told, your alert will not go into you protecting yourself. You will be taken in chains. Mm. Okay? Are you getting the picture? Mm. Okay, God gives you an alert. You go to this place, there will be trouble. Then he tells you, go into that trouble. You're not going to come out of it. That's part of my plan for it. Okay? So that is even more in-depth revelation from God. Nine out of ten times when God alerts you about something is to protect you from that. Hmm. Protect you from that. Okay? Once in a while, he will let you know that this is what is going to happen to you and this is what I want you to do. Like if you look in the Old Testament, this thing. Why did they, why were all the kings and the leaders so mad with Jeremiah? Because he said, don't resist the Babylonians. This is God's will for you, to go into captivity. And they threw him into prison, put him into will. And he says, don't fight God's will. You are, you can do whatever you want. God has made up his mind. Judah is going down. It's over. 70 years of captivity has been set. Don't fight. If you fight, you will die. There will be no protection for you. But if you surrender, you will live. And God will bring you back. So that is an alert. Remember, that's why we have to be very, very sensitive in our prayer life to the Holy Spirit. Because in some battles, he will say, don't fight. It's my plan for you. But I will prosper you. That's why in the middle of it, the most favorite words for everybody in Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Put it over there. So people, new people, will say, this is told to them when? This is being told to them in Babylon. He's saying, you see, my plans for you are always good. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. You may think I'm mad at you. He says, I know my thoughts better than you know my thoughts. Okay, you think this is the way I think. He says, you don't know. That's not the way I, I never think about my children that way. Okay, he says, the thoughts that I have. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Okay? So sometimes God will say, don't fight it. Give it. That's my plan for you. You will go into, you will go into captivity. You will not succeed in the short run in this. But long run, Success is always guaranteed. And Paul sees that. He says, you know what? You're going to get beaten up everywhere. You'll go into jail. You'll go into this. But you know what? See this. These are only momentary afflictions. Final, nobody can defeat you. You will receive your crown. So ultimately, we have to see life that way. There will be victories. There will be losses. But we stay with God. We will never lose. That's why God has Already prophesied over us. If we stay the course, the prophecy is this. It's God's word. You are more than conquerors. And look at the set of list given in the things we will face in life. Famine, sword, pestilence. You name it all. It's all there. But he says, you what? You say true to me. I will stay true to your word. You are more than conquerors in all this. You will mm. come across on the other side. Sometimes even on this side itself, he will give you victory. But... Victory on that side is guaranteed.
And that's the message to all the seven churches. All seven. If you repent, you will overcome. Hmm. If you repent, you will overcome. Okay. In a way, was alerting them actually. Alerting. Them. Yes. No, if you look at the prophetically New Testament kind of pattern in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Okay. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's it. <laughs> okay. He says, whatever situation you are going, that's, I mean, you have to look at both contexts. Jeremiah is saying, he said, you're willing and obedient. Don't fight the Babylonians. This is God's command for you. Don't fight Babylon. Let us say the church in India is going through great persecution and the word of the Lord comes. Don't resist Modi. Don't resist the RSS. Don't resist. I'll give you victory. Don't resist. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Just be silent. Go through that phase. You will come out glorious on the other side. I will give you victory. So we have to hear. It's not a one cap fits all. What is God saying in each situation? Because if we see with our temporal, carnal eyes only in terms of physical and material prosperity, then we will realize we will not be spiritually prepared to rule in eternity. Right? Imagine a 17-year-old boy who goes 70 miles to find out how his brothers are, wearing a coat of multicolors, becomes king at 17. What will be the state of Egypt? <laughs> yep. The call is his. The man is not ready. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Man is not ready. The man has to be made ready to take that responsibility. And that readiness will only come through sufferings. That is why Jesus himself had to suffer. Mm-hmm. Okay, But through the sufferings, one thing is guaranteed. I will be with you. Mm-hmm. I will be with you. And the Bible is very clear. The Lord was with Joseph. Lord was. That was the way we, we, we say in theological terms, that was the way of the cross. And Jesus said, my father has never left me. And that's a simple question. What is that you want? Do you want temporal success without God? Or you want God with you and take him through the pathway he has chosen for you? Okay. A lot of people will choose the other one. I'm okay. Because the life is so caught in the temporal. They'll say, just give me prosperity. I am good. But it's fine. I'll give it to you if you want. But you will not experience my presence. And then on the other side, the same loss will be there. You will have neither this nor this. You won't have the prosperity you wanted in heaven because you didn't seek it in earth. And you will not really experience my presence in heaven because you didn't long for it here. But Paul will have both on that side. He will have God's presence unlimited and he will have God's power to to rule, to reign with him. So we have to look at it. Everybody's plans are not the same. Each one has to hear. Though we have the general will of God, common for everybody, each one has to find their own purpose in the body in Christ. Yes, Pastor. So how can you uh, know whether the leading is fear and not uh, the Holy Spirit, or, or vice versa. How do you know it? No, if 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 you're getting an alert about a future event, and if you're a surrendered person, 
it is the holy spirit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fear cannot give you an alert okay, okay. Mm-hmm. and if fear gives you an alert usually it does not come to pass okay. people in the world uh, uh, use the term premonition or sixth sense and all that no that doesn't happen should not happen for god's people okay god's people the holy spirit will alert you mm-hmm. he will alert you you know and we see a lot of people alerted in the bible also we'll see they were alerted and they escaped before they attacked they escaped they said get out of this place you no know, like one of the historical fact is that uh, when jesus was uh, uh arrested and taken the jews said let his blood be upon us and our children they resisted and re- released barabbas but the bible says not the bible history says when titus the prince titus the roman emperor's son he put uh, rome under siege every word jesus said he wept over uh, jerusalem because he knew what was coming so they were going to reject him they burned jerusalem down they killed over a million jews in the city of jerusalem but history says most of the christians had left because they had been forewarned to leave they had left before the romans came wow. the christians hardly died because they were warned to leave the city the city is under judgment but the jews died Christians didn't. They dispersed. So God does warn you. He does warn. You. And Jesus Himself said, "If you are persecuted in one city, run to the next. Mm. So you will be told before it comes. Go from this place. They're coming after you. So premonitions will be there. Um, not premonitions. God will warn you. Mm. Alert. Okay. Sometimes it could be your own fear. Okay. And that you have to resist because the Bible says you no. Know, and you have to say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. If it is, I command you to leave." I will not be fearful in this situation because I need to hear because fearful people do stupid things. Yeah. Most of the mistakes David made was out of fear. Whether it was Ziklag or, or whether it was Bathsheba, mm-hmm. it is fear who caused him to do those simple things. Stupid things. It was fear that caused him. So God will give you discernment whether it is the spirit you we will know by then whether it's the spirit of God. or whether it is fear this is how i discern it uh, fear is in the soul the alert is in the spirit mm. that's how you discern it Amen. the alert because mm. holy spirit is a spirit he alerts you in your spirit you have like peace is actually in the spirit okay righteousness joy and peace in the holy spirit righteousness is in the spirit Your soul is still not righteous. That's why it has to be saved. Saved, yes. Okay, our struggle is the soul is fighting the spirit. Mm. The spirit is trying to save the soul. So, in your spirit, you are righteous. In your spirit, you should have peace. And when you sin, you lose your peace in your spirit. Okay. Now, David is ruling. Everything is fine. Uriah is dead. Bathsheba's wife. Everything is fine, but. why is he disturbed because it's his spirit look at his different psalms okay he says oh my soul why are you anxious who is speaking to whom can the soul speak to the soul no the only one soul the spirit right? is speaking the spirit is speaking, speaking to the soul. soul that's the way it should be that's the way it should be the spirit is should be the boss and it speaks to the soul why are you downcast rejoice in the lord Now let me tell you this question ask you this question because I said that's the kingdom of God if a spirit is downcast can it tell the soul to be lifted up no no that 
That's where the Bible says, feed your spirit. Mm. And this says, my word is spirit. Pray in tongues. The mind does not understand. Why? The mind is part of the soul. And God does not want the mind to understand. Yeah. Because praying in the spirit is not for the soul. It is for the spirit. So the spirit, when the soul is downcast, will tell us, rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Rejoice mm. in the Lord. That's how it works. Mm. So you will discern the alertness in the spirit. Fear is in the soul. Fear is in the soul. And when God is giving you a check on your spirit, listen carefully. Because he's alerting you. He's warning you. Or all the things of God comes to your spirit. And you have to train your soul to discern it. That's Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2. If you look at Romans 12.2, after you have surrendered your body, the word of God says, do not be conformed to this world. Why conformed to this world? The entire world system affects your soul. Mm. It Through the body, it comes at your soul, your, your thinking, your feelings. Your will, everything is manipulated. That's in the soul. And the world system affects it. Like you hear uh, tomorrow's news, COVID, Omicron is spreading in Hyderabad in leaps and bounds. There could be a lockdown. It affects the soul. That's how it comes. Affects the soul. You say, oh my gosh, should I go buy two sacks of rice? Should I do the stock up and all? But uh, the spirit, God doesn't speak to the soul. Doesn't speak to the soul. God speaks with the spirit. But the thing is that your soul, that mind part of your mind, which is in the soul, has to be made new to react to the spirit and not to the world. Mm -hmm. Because the mind has been trained to react to the world. world. But the mind has to be trained to listen to the spirit. Listen to the spirit. Otherwise, every time something happens, we will naturally, that's the old man, the natural man, the old man, we are not natural men when we are born again. We are supernatural men. That's why I was telling the girls yesterday. You know, this Spider-Man, Superman and all. Okay, the problem with mo- these movies, all these movies is it gives you a false picture of who the real Superman is. Mm. It messes up your image. If you look at the real Superman, there was only one Superman. That was Christ. Yeah. Okay. He humbled himself, humbled himself, humbled. Now you look at one Superman, Spider-Man who is humble. who will go to the cross to save the people no he beats up everybody to save others right now that is not that is why we get this picture wrong and why i i discourage uh, christians from watching these things is that you know what god wants to anoint us with power unlimited power you receive that kind of power and the superman mindset Finished. Dangerous. Dangerous. That is basically what has happened in ministry now. Everybody is a hero. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about pastors. Everybody acts like a hero. Okay? Everybody acts like a hero. But that's not the way God wants us to act. That's not who I am. Okay? So this mindset is very dangerous. That's why you have to see. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Don't conform. How do you do? Your mind has. How do I conform to the pattern of the world? It's through my mind. I read. I see. Now that's one of the things which God uh, taught me. Because all my life, I read fiction. 
That is what I was from the child all the way till I got saved and even after I got saved, delivered. When I got delivered, was when God told me, don't read fiction. If you read, read biblical fiction. But that also, he said, avoid it. Because I have got some biblical fiction here with me. The story of Abraham. It's a story of Abraham's times made as a novel I have here of Paul and Paul. He said, don't read that also. That's also man's imagination. It's imagination. He said, you want to read? Read the word of God and read personal testimonies. Mm. It edifies yes. personal testimonies. And then, of course, doctrinal texts. Because what does fiction ducks to you is that it messes up your mind. It messes up your mind. Fiction messes up your mind. You live in a, in a false reality. Mm. And the word of God is not false. It is absolutely true. No, absolutely. And it, it actually, you know, and uh, people need to get out of this false reality. People need to get off YouTube and all that stuff. Because even the news you watch is not real. It's somebody's opinion about ideological opinion of an event that took place. Okay. If you look at police reports, okay, police, there's a car accident that took place. Okay. And then you need to have a report as who was in fault. You pick up five people from five different corners of the street. They will give you five different reports, which is true. Hmm. Which is true. <laughs> Nobody knows which is true. Okay. The only thing we have in this world, which is true, is this. Even that, for it to understand the truth, we need the Holy Spirit. Mm. You can read this, absolutely, memorize it, study it, and then go kill the Messiah. Okay, that's what the Pharisees did. That's what the Sanhedrin did. They knew their word. And they couldn't recognize the, they couldn't recognize Jesus. Why couldn't they recognize Jesus? Because they did not have the Spirit. <laughs> Yet when Jesus was brought at the day of 40, two men, two old people, one old man and an old woman recognized him immediately because they had the Spirit. Right. Exactly. Nobody there recognized him. Not a single priest recognized. This is the temple. Activities all going on. Hundreds of priests and Levites and worshippers and sacrifice going on. And the Bible actually says the king came to the temple. Everything that's happening there is about him. And he's right there in his mother's arms and nobody knows he's there. And what is the whole point of worshipping? What is the whole point of sacrifices? What is the whole point of the temple? The king is there. And there are two people. And the Bible says one was... Uh, Kind of driven by the spirit. I think Simeon was outside. Yes, he was And this hour had come because God had promised you will not die until you have seen him. And probably what happened is the day God, I said, no, you are, you are tuned in the spirit. And when the time comes, even if you are away, he will lead you there. He will say, run, run. This is the time the sun has come. He sees. Anna sees, and they could only prophesy. The Bible is sees very clear. They could only speak to those who are waiting for the redemption of Israel, consolation of Israel. So if you are not waiting for something, you cannot be spoken to. And I'm telling to the church, when you come to church tomorrow, wait for your redemption. If you are not waiting for your redemption, if you are not, I'm going to look at the theme for 2022. If you are not waiting for your restoration, you heard your promise, you got a promise. If you are not waiting for your restoration, God cannot speak to you. Yes. 
he can speak to only those who are expecting who are expecting yes and we are asked to expect for the appearance of jesus christ amen amen longing for the mm. expectation of the coming of jesus christ mm. we come with that expectation you know what god is able to speak to us you know in that book of joel about restoration this is what god says you know everybody come out including the bridegroom from his chamber and the bride's bride and the nursing infants and the nursing everybody come out mm. you come with that kind of expect i mean what is a bridegroom expect what is his mind tomorrow is my wedding what is the girl i'm getting ready for the wedding <laughs> let's get up come out okay there's no point getting married tomorrow when the locusts have eaten everything your marriage also will be eaten you know get married after i begin the restoration mm. then your marriage will, will work out so he says everybody come out and join the fast and cry out okay that is the kind of intensity god is saying so if everybody is not waiting with that expectation for the coming of the lord jesus christ honestly god cannot speak to mm. us that is primary we look at restoration we are looking at the theme of restoration through this year as the lord leads okay so there is desolation and there is the promise of restoration for what what do you want to be restored for so you are prepared chapter 3 for judgment mm. the day of the lord is near a restored person can go through judgment without fear mm. because god has restored my soul that's what david says he restored my soul and i can face judgment don't be myopic don't think like wow i got this uh, promise god is going to restore everything for this temporary life no he's restoring for eternity yes so that i can face you can face the day of judgment with confidence bible says in 1 john okay. i love that verse uh chapter 2 and verse uh, 28 chapter 2 one john chapter 2 now uh, now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence mm, and not. not ashamed before him at his coming abide in him mm. so that when he comes we have confidence yeah jesus i was waiting for this. there are different verses in the bible of the reactions of different kinds of people when he comes some will be terrified some will mourn some will mourn <laughs> some will be ashamed these are believers ashamed okay ashamed not unbelievers these are believers ashamed some will have boldness and confidence that's the boldness of what you see of uh, paul and timothy he is absolutely confident i have finished i have kept no the first time he is using i i i but that's allowed by the holy spirit mm. because he says i will receive my crown so that's how it works listen to your spirit speaking to your soul and renew your mind so you will be able to able to like it it is the question was about that alert right yes, you know yes. this thing you know you see you know you will get fake alerts also on your phone mm. pretending they are from the bank mm. scams scamsters and you have to be wise the problem is that if you press on to that link by mistake this your data starts disappearing and your bank account also start emptying so you have to be very very careful because the devil will alert you in the soul to cause you to fear and to cause you to run go to first samuel chapter 24 one i think let me give you. 
we find it for you. I get it. 27, 27-1, 27-1. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Immediately solution was given. First he put the thought into his mind, then gave him a solution also. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. That's how it works. An alert from the world into the soul. Solution also given. Go to my place, you will be safe there. And after that, 16 months goes in darkness. Fake alerts will come. And fake alerts is to cause us to run. And when you run, you actually run into trouble. So you have to learn to distinguish between this both. Is it coming from God? Is it in the spirit coming from God? Or is it coming from the enemy through the world, through the flesh? Fear is a good thing. It's not always, it's not, it's not always a bad thing. I shouldn't say it's a good thing. It's not always a bad thing. Okay? But because it's fear that alerts us. Okay? But if you're fearful, if you're fearful, okay, if you're fearful, then the devil can use you for his work. Because mm. you'll always run. Mm. You'll always run. That's why in the list in the book of Revelation of those who go to hell, the first is fearful. fearful yes. mm. First is fearful. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, Pastor, again, we're talking about um, the minds being messed up and uh, the fact that the God of this age kind of messes up your mind so that when God gives you the anointing and you use it for the bad purposes, right? Mm. So how does one guard his heart against such a process? I mean, this is... Because you see the young people are... See, the this this particular... The intensity of this delusion is in the last days. And I'm telling you, it started with, uh, basically with printing and movies coming in the last hundred years. And, uh, the, the, what you call the age of, uh, enlightenment. That's mm. the term we use in literature. The age of enlightenment in Europe where they started off throwing away the shackles of religion and individual liberty, like with the French Revolution, the cry of the French Revolution was about individual liberty, all those shackles being thrown off. You know what happens? That is when it starts. Then people started listening, watching, reading all the other stuff. This is the issue. That is why we all have to make that's what I, like yesterday night after everything, I was talking to your batchmates, your not batchmates, talk to them that you know, we need to have personal convictions. And personal convictions one can have, even if you're not a believer, you can have personal convictions because you're able to assess God has given you uh, the wisdom to look at the pros and cons of something. As I said, when I was a child, I grew up in a very happy home on one side and unhappy home on the other side. Happy when my dad was sober. Unhappy when he was drunk. When he was drunk, there was a lot of violence in the house and the fighting and I'm the only child with them. So I grew up in that kind seeing that. But the other side was, it was like two extremes. One side, when the alcohol is not there in the house, the house is the most beautiful place on earth. Happy, happy home. 
really happy home because he was an unbelievably good man, mm. righteous man. Home was happy. Like, it's like living in a happy home in Switzerland, literally. Bhutan is as beautiful as Switzerland and uncontaminated at those years. So it was, I mean, the life I had as a child was fantastic. Imagine growing up in Switzerland. Beautiful place it was. I mean, you look, you don't have to look for a picnic spot. You just have to get down and sit down. That's a picnic spot. Mm. You don't have to go anywhere. You can anywhere. You, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Happy home, everything. And the other side was the view. So decisions I made as a child, even years before I came to know God, one, I will never drink. I'll never drink. Two, I will never raise my hand against a woman. Two things, things which I have never done in my life. Never done in my life. Okay. And that's why I don't drink Coke or Pepsi. Because the color puts me off still. Because I saw a good man, mm. not a bad man, a good man literally falling apart before my eyes. And he died of liver cirrhosis at 64. <laughs> he was young. And he was, if he hadn't drunk, he would still be alive. He stood be alive. Because my mother is there, <laughs> 86. And my mother has gone through two surgeries. But my father was never ill in his life. First illness, he died. Never. This was an unbelievably disciplined person. So you see stuff. You can make your decisions. That's why you need to have convictions, deep convictions. This is wrong. This is right. When you have those convictions, one, you don't go that way. Two, if you go that way, fall, you will always come back. Amen. The difference I always say with Saul and David was David had deep convictions. convictions. Saul had no convictions. Hmm. A man of flesh has no convictions. Hmm. And people asked for that man. And God gave them that man. But he had no convictions. David was a man, as a young man, as he was a man of deep convictions. So you will see because he had deep convictions when he falls and the Spirit of God comes, he has deep repentance and comes back and God is able to restore him. Since we are talking about a year of restoration, we need, that's what God says in Joel, the key word is there is, in that verse he says, if you turn with me to Joel, he says, uh, turn to me with all your heart. Don't rent your garments. Rent your, heart. rent your garments. Okay, don't rent your garments. Rent your heart. Come back with deep convictions, deep repentance. Yeah? Return to the Lord your God. Rent your heart and not your garments. Rent your heart. You know, okay, we have. We will come back to that later because I think there's a question. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's the reason I want to do. You know? So okay. we need to have deep convictions, mm, mm. and you cannot have deep convictions. Let me tell you to the church here, church everywhere. You cannot have. Deep convictions without separation. You cannot be in the world and expect to have deep convictions. It is not possible. Those are the things the Lord taught me early. One thing I did was I got rid of all my fiction. My pulp fiction. Got rid of, and you don't know how much I had. Got rid of all of them. Almost every one of them I got rid of them too. I got rid, literally sat there and ripped all my cassettes. Threw them all away. 
I think one set I found this time and they laughed. I don't know how long it is. Basically, that also I threw into the, gave it to and Samit took it and it was sitting in the loft for eight years, ten years. I don't know how it still survived, but I got rid of my music because these are the things, right? Music, books, mm. okay, music and books because I was not a movie fad as such, you know, music and books. Got rid of it and then separated myself too. You cannot just separate from music. I have never had never listened to Christian music. That's why I still do not know songs. I did not know there was something called Christian music. <laughs> okay. Till nineteen ninety four, I did not really know Christian. Yeah. Domain was introduced to me by Pastor Walsh. Mm-hmm. He was into music. He was a music. Even now I tell him, you are not a preacher, you are a worship leader. He's a good preacher, okay? But I said, your heart is for music. Your heart is for worship. And he used to buy all those days videos. From video he went to CD. From CD in the, the mall, Ron Kennelly, Domain, and all was introduced to me by him. Okay, but I was never into so much music. I just needed the background when I'm reading. And even if it is not there, I am good. But you have to make these choices. You cannot have deep convictions without separation. And the, I will tell you honestly, to our own church in Hyderabad, the reason people struggle is not because the pulpit is compromised. The pulpit is not compromised. The people struggle because people are compromised. They love the world. They love the world. And they love the church also. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. It is like the history of the Israel. They feared God and worshipped the other gods also. You simply can't do that. Simply cannot do that. Okay. You have to make those choices. You know what? I am separated. I am not going into the world. I am not interested in the world. I am not saying the world is not fascinating. I am not saying it is not fun. Of course it is all there. But you know what? I'm putting a premium on my, my soul. soul and my purpose. Mm. And my purpose. Yes, there is eternity that is coming and God does not lie. When he says, eyes haven't seen, no ears heard, but God is preparing. Because I always have this dream, no, always my dream. I want to live by the mountainside with this flowing stream and I want a house over there. And I know that it may not happen in this lifetime. But I know if I stay my course, I will not miss it in the next life. <laughs> and I will get it for a thousand years. So it is not pie in the sky. <laughs> it is real. Jesus himself says, whatever you have lost here, hundred times over. You, you cannot lose with God. No man has lost with God. So these things have to be, yes, when you are separating, there is pain. There, all that will be there in the flesh in this thing and all. But after that, it dies away. Let me ask all these men sitting over here, okay, married men, unmarried men. Let me tell you, is there anybody who didn't have a crush before they got married? No way. <laughs> all of us have, right? All of us have. When that broke, wherein we heartbroken? <laughs> Do we even think about them now? No. You will recover over everything. The most difficult thing to recover from is a broken relationship. It's a heartbreak, exactly. Heartbreak. Everything else you can recover. The most difficult is a heartbreak. 
if everyone sitting here has overcome a heartbreak. Separation is not difficult. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. Guess what? God is actually asking us, except for one or two in the church, God is not asking anybody else to recover, to leave somebody, which hardly anybody has, is yoked with an unbeliever. That is not there in, in most people. This is not there. It's the most difficult to leave. It's most difficult to leave. The rest of the things are very easy. So if God can help you to recover that with where you have no scar, no memory, nothing, actually when you think back, you laugh. I look at some of the pictures of them and I said, thank God I didn't marry them. <laughs> Boy, you saved me from them. Okay? You wouldn't remember when I was in college. I have a picture over here with a college group mate. No? And look at it. The poor thing is a good thing. I wrote one entire diary of poem to her. Uh, now my wife is listening and she will tell you didn't write what lie to me <laughs> but honey I gave myself to you <laughs> now I think because last time when I went for my bro, my friend's son's wedding for that she also had come and I looked at this and said oh my god this is the girl I wanted to marry 35 years ago thank you Lord. you saved me so what I'm saying, if you can recover, if you can recover from that, I'm telling you in terms of under, uh, helping us, you can separate from anything. Mm. It's not difficult. We are just making it difficult. It is not actually difficult. We can give up anything. We can give up anything. Even people who do not know God out of sheer willpower have seen them. Like my father, there was a period in his life he quit drinking. Yeah. One day he woke up and said, I'm not going to drink. Exactly. And he didn't drink. It was like heaven on earth, homeless. He didn't drink. For weeks, months together, he didn't drink. And then one day he went back to it. Okay. The thing is that people in the world who do not know God out of shit will yeah. are able to give up. I mean, how do people become the top in their career? Because they chose not to go that way. Absolutely. Okay. So, so you can do it. Like yeah. So in the kingdom of God, you need to be separated. <laughs> separated. And be separated unto God. And then, like I said, have that balance. Because in the world, when people are focused, they are imbalanced. Imbalanced. They go crazy. They become eccentric. And you cannot live around them. And their homes are messed up. That's what God is absolutely mm. balanced, mm. man. Very, very balanced person. So when God says, separated unto him, everything starts falling into place. Your relationship with God, your home, your church, your life in your workplace, everything gets balanced. And you know what? You have joy and you have peace. And that's the kingdom of God. Yes, Pastor uh, Vijay, we have another question. Yeah, this is exactly because uh, this is question number 25, Pastor. Hmm. How would you explain birthing true repentance? Hmm. We must allow the Holy Spirit time to birth true repentance in us through God-given revelation, right? Would you agree this would produce God-centered Christians and not self-centered ones? Which is true. See, one of the things is that, you know, a lot of things Christians, let me say young Christians, to do is also out of ignorance. It's also out of ignorance because they do not know. Mm. God says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Now, if you look into First Corinthians, there's a lot of stuff that is happening over there which is not kosher at all. They have sexual immorality, they have politics in the church, drunkenness at the Lord's table, everything is over there. But if you look at it, it's actually out of ignorance. 
because they are all Gentiles who became Christians. They don't have a Jewish background. This is the first church in Corinth. Imagine, okay, there are no Christians in Hyderabad. And one preacher comes, preaches, stays there for two weeks, a church starts and he goes. What do you think the church will be like? Mm. They have no clue what a church is. Okay, so he writes the letter to 1 Corinthians to them. And their response is unbelievable in 2 Corinthians. Okay, now why were they able to respond that? I'll tell you the, the true, what you call it, motivation to true repentance. Okay, why were they able to repent like that? It's because though they were ignorant about the ways of God, they deeply loved God. Mm. And God's man too. Yeah, and God's man too. Mm. Because he's the man who brought God mm. to them. Mm. They deeply loved Christ. Mm. So ignorance alone is not the killer. It is our passion. Mm. If you de- That's again I say, why would David repent like that? Because, because he, he loved God. Loved God. Yeah. See, so this is one of the first things you need to ask the Spirit of God, Lord. Because Deuteronomy 36 is very clear. Mm-hmm. He's the one who will do it. He will, he will tell you what to do. He won't overrule you. Will again, let me make it right because you have to put the whole Bible in, mm-hmm. in context. <coughs> he will not overrule your free will. Yes. Okay. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul that you may love. He will circumcise your heart. And he will do it. That is circumcising your heart actually means separation. You separate, you separate from this, separate, and separate unto God. Okay? And let me tell you, um, 99% of the problems in a home is because they haven't kept the first law of marriage. (laughs) They haven't left. (laughs) And therefore you cannot clean. Mm -hmm. You cannot leave. You cannot leave. Both parties have to do that. Woman is said in Psalm forty-eight or something. Yeah, yeah. Psalm, forty-five. Psalm forty-five. Psalm forty-five. The woman leave okay. your forget your father's house. Forget your father's house. The man also leaves, and then only they can leave. Where there is no separation, okay. Where there is no separation from everything, there is no cleaving, and that is the cause of unhappiness. It's not lack of provision, because most of the people are unhappy, have enough to eat. It's not that. There are, there are, like gravity, there are rules established by God for every institution. Marriage is an institution mm-hmm. established by God. Church is an institution established by God. As an individual, I am an institution established by God. For individuals, for families, for churches, for workplace, God has established His own spiritual principles. They don't change. Mm. They don't change. If you follow that, you know what? Everything will fall into place. But the first thing God says is that for all this to fall into place is that love God with all your heart. Okay, love God with all your heart. And I will I will help you to do that. You know, my spirit will circumcise your heart. The spirit will say, leave that. Leave that. Do this. Do that. Leave that. Do As you do that, you learn to love God more and more and more and more and more. And everything starts falling into place. But if you do not love God, then it becomes religion. That's why the new covenant, if you look in John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Okay, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, meaning he says, there's no point in telling you to keep my commandments if you don't love me, because you will not. Mm-hmm. You will not. You will pick and choose what you like. God, your relationship with God becomes like a buffet. I pick, I choose, and it's a law. That's what uh, that's that's what Saul is saying. I have obeyed the Lord. He picked and chose that's what he will obey. Right. What you obey. He no says, I have obeyed. Mm-hmm. And God says, you have obeyed. You have disobeyed. You know? David also, on the other hand, falls. But the fact that he also loved God, so God could restore him. And then he finishes well. He finishes very, very well. So go, let's go back to the question. Okay, there. True repentance, yes. Some cases it may, some cases it may, what you call, may not take time when you're very aware of it. Okay, uh, very. Uh, I, I will tell you when our our children, no, when they are very very small, if they are very sensitive, especially you bring them up in that about what is right and what is wrong. It's can still wrong. One of my kids, okay, Andrew, mm, he was four years old, five years old. Yes, it's four or five years old. He was he he was in school, no? so he comes back. And he's got one colorful, shiny little ring kind of these things. But where did he get it from? He said Jade gave it to me. One of his classmates, lower kindergarten. I said, oh, Jade gave it to me. I didn't say anything. Jade gave it to you. I know kids don't give anything to each other. Right? <laughs> Jade gave it. Jade, because we have a question on a boy, children fighting over toys also. I said, oh, Jade gave it to you. It's okay. Then we went to sleep. In the middle of the night, he woke up. I said, what happened? <laughs> Jay didn't give it. He <laughs> <laughs> said, what happened? <laughs> no, I took it. <laughs> 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 okay. So I hugged him and I said, tomorrow when you go back, I'll give it back to you. Go ahead and give it return to Jay. Okay. He said, okay. When he went back to sleep. Okay, so you need to realize, you know, Children are very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Don't make them hard mm-hmm. when they are young. Don't make them hard when they are young. Okay, and don't beat them up or any of those things. You don't have to do. You just have to show that you know that uh, it's not right because because we all are from the Adamic stock. They have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. So don't when they are young. Don't brush away wrong as if it is okay. Don't be too harsh also to pick the picture of God is a tormentor with a sword. If you go wrong, he will kill you also. Don't put that also. We have this song in Malayalam. Meaning, don't sin, the wrath of God will fall upon you. Don't put that picture also. God is not that with his children. With his children, the wrath of God will never come. He will discipline you. Mm-hmm. His wrath will never come upon you. So don't get this wrong picture to our own children when you're aware of you sin, the wrath of God. That's a wrong picture. That child will be always terrified of God. God doesn't want us to be. How does a child go boldly? If, if the, my picture of me as a father, let's say I have five small children, the picture of me is always standing with the cane. They will never come to me. They will tiptoe around me, you know, that doesn't work. So the Bible is very clear. The purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ. Mm. The law was not to torment us or anything, no? So that is to be very, very clear. This picture has to be put. 
God disciplines his children because he loves them. Don't bring the wrath of God upon God's children. It's a very wrong picture. He will discipline. If you are saved, he will discipline. He will spank you. He will beat you. He will chasten you. He will scourge you. And all through it, he will love you. He will love you. Because his desire is this. You share in my righteousness. You share in my holiness. But don't give the other picture. So when certain cases, repentance can be short because it is intense and short because you are very, very clearly aware of what you did. Mm. Very clearly. Like in his case, he took that from Jade. Very clearly aware. He returned back to Jade. He has peace with... Jade is not bothered about that. Jade probably is not... He is bothered that because he thinks... He, he knows he lied to me. That's what he is bothered about. He lied to me. That is what... He doesn't know God, but he knows his father. And his father represents God to him. And he thinks, I lied to my father. So that's why he woke up in the night. He was unable to sleep. Okay, So that's how a relationship is maintained. Okay? And that's the kind of relationship David had with God mm. in the wilderness. You need yes. to understand. Why would a young man leave the palace and go to the wilderness to be with God? Yes. He looked at the atmosphere in Saul's <laughs> palace and said, the only thing I can do is ministry here, but I cannot live in the presence of God. First chance he gets, he goes to the wilderness. Mm. He knows his father's house also. There also there is no presence of God. You know what? The only place I can have presence of God is there in the wilderness with my sheep. God is, I can be one-on-one with God. So he has this deep relationship with God. Therefore, when he falls and he's confronted, he has deep conviction also. Okay, sometimes it can be very clear, but sometimes it may take time uh-huh. because we are, like in David's case, he has to go through the ringer in the case of Beth Shiva because of what he has done. He said, this would be long, long term for you. The question is, why does he have to go through that long term? Simple, for our sake. His episode will be a lesson for generations to come. Why was he picked up as a lesson? Because he would receive it. God could have done the same thing with so many people who did. He didn't do with that. There's no point. <clears throat> they can't receive that kind of correction from him and be so open and say, it is okay, Lord, make it public. I'm okay with it. Most of them would have told God, don't make it, don't make it public. And he said, okay, I will honor your wish. I'll discipline you, but I won't make it public. David, he knew he could do whatever you want with him. This man only did that. Wow. So he's a different kind of a man. David is a different kind. Wow. So God says, he's a man after my own heart. My own heart. He's a man after my own heart. And then, if you look, okay, in certain cases, like I said, it has to be, it could be longer so that our repentance is not superficial. Mm. Because you want, if a repentance is superficial, the restoration will be superficial. Yes. If your restoration, let us say, if you if you want restoration wants to be deep, then your repentance also has to be deep. Look, go to Second Corinthians. The response of these people, very very powerful it is. Chapter seven, verse eight onwards. Okay, eight onwards to eight to uh, thirteen. Okay. Chapter 7, bro. Chapter, chapter seven. 7, not 10. 
chapter 7, verse 8 to 10. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. Okay, For I perceive the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. It's about he wrote that tough fuss, this thing, I was scolding them, and he was mad at them, right? He was so mad that... Um, Brought out all the muck in the church. He made it public. And it became scripture. <laughs> but I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but your sorrow led to repentance. Now this is what you need to realize. If you're sorry, sorrow does not lead to repentance. It's useless. Okay, You can be sorry because you were caught. You were sorry because you lost something. You were sorry because of the consequences. But it is not leading to a turning around, a complete change in life. That's what he's talking about. For you made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Mm. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. How can the sorrow of the world produce death? Because it doesn't lead to repentance. Mm. So therefore there is no salvation. That is Esau's sorrow. He comes before his father and cries, Daddy, 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 don't you have any blessing for me? And the father said, Son, it's gone. The blessing maybe I you may think it's I am who's speaking, but it's not I am who's speaking. It's God who's speaking through me. Once it is out of my hands, it is out of my hands. I can't do anything. It's gone. So he blessed him. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to kill that fellow. He thinks his father is going to die soon. I want to kill that. So no, Jacob runs for his life. But the thing is that in the next 20 years, Esau prospers. Because Jacob said, I have Esau. And he is Jacob. So he prospers. And because he's prospered, he's okay. He never changes as a person. He never changes as a person. So the godly sorrow was only connected with the consequences. But if there are no consequences... Then there are no, there is no repentance. repentance. Let us, let us say, uh, let us say somebody stole uh, 20 lakh rupees. Okay. Then you are, oh, if I get caught, if I get caught, if I get caught, I'll go to jail. Lord, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Lord, Lord, help me, Lord, sorry, sorry. But you don't get caught. You don't get So you never return the money. You never, your lifestyle never changes because you never got caught. Never got caught. Godly sorrow leads to, worldly sorrow leads to, how does it lead to death? Because there is no repentance. The person never changed. Esau never changed. Esau never changed. Okay. Esau never changed. Therefore, there is no Esau in the Bible. (laughs) Okay. There is a Jacob. How did Jacob change? Jacob slide. He took a birthright, which was his actually, but by lying. So he stole it. He ran. And the next 20 years, God put him in the ringer. And that's what he says. Sleep had left my eyes day in and day out. Labored 14 years for your daughters. 10 times you chased the wages. Why did he? This is the, this is the result of your life. The blessing was yours. You would have got it just like that. But you lied. And this is the result. You got your blessing? Yeah. 
Are you happy? No. Do you want to go that way? No. Ready to change? Yes. Peniel, he changes. Mm. He becomes Israel. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Now look at verse 11. It's powerful. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence mm. it produced in you. Okay, what does it mean? Okay, let me tell you. The cleaning of your house. You can just sweep. There is sweeping and there is sweeping. <laughs> okay, there is sweeping and there is sweeping. There is sweeping of the surface. Then there is sweeping of things underneath. Under things behind. Right? We call it sprinkle cleaning. Okay? So, what diligence? The thing is that, do you want diligence in your repentance? Bring book and corner. Where you don't know. But God says, if you're willing, I will show you. Mm. I will show you. Mm. Okay. Now go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And 13. The word of God is living mm. and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. Only the word of God can do that. Only when the Holy Spirit, you have to allow him. Otherwise you won't do it. Because he gave you his free will. God gave me free will. You don't want that kind of this thing. God says, sit in church, I won't cut you. I won't cut you. I will leave you alone. I will touch your soul and leave you alone. You will say, I am good. That's what you want to feel, that's fine. You don't want me to search your heart, I will leave you alone. But you say, Lord, search my heart. And then you come to church and the sword goes beyond the soul. What? Joins marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What happened is that you don't say the say the, this thing, okay? Meaning you did something. And you're feeling so good about it because it was a good thing. And then you say, Lord, search my heart come there and God cuts you through and cuts and shows the intention. He said, you know why you did it? You didn't do it for the other person. You did it for yourself. Mm. You did it for yourself. Now everything that you did goes out. You didn't do it for me. You didn't do it for the other person. You did it for yourself. Nothing going to come out of it. This is your problem. You are a self-centered man. You live for yourself. Even when you bless somebody. That's Hinduism. You bless somebody. It is so you so your karma will go up. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for you. Every good deed, your motivation is you. And not me or the other. It cuts through and suddenly you're... That is why. That's what repentance is talking about. What diligence. Would you be able to see and come to verse 13? There is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked, open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When we allow the Spirit of God, give him permission to do that, and he does that, and we change, that is repentance with diligence. God is able to clean us out. Now going back to that verse in Corinthians 7. Yeah. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourself. 
what indignation hmm. not at the person hmm. not, not at the person at self hmm. what indignation what fear what vehement desire what zeal what see when all this is happens what a vindication what a vindication they said you know what there was a situation in the church a man is living with a step mother they didn't know all these things were wrong all rights you know what they went on a spring cleaning in the church mm. they did not only dealt with that issue they dealt with every issue in the mm. church mm. they went through that first epistle with the lens mm. microscope mm. they went through and says okay first is one upset about thanksgiving about division again on division oh, lawsuits among believers mm. expel the immoral brother oh marriage Oh Lord, hmm. if they ask, then they must have got all the couples here. Couple, couple seminar, you know. Hmm. A, a man should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. Likewise, or are you fulfilling your duty to each other? I am sure they dealt with every issue. Of the, what indignation? What vehemence? What diligence? And Paul is tickled pink. I wrote you about two issues. You dealt with every issue. Hmm. You clean the church out. that is what god is talking about i touch one issue in your life when i touch one issue on your life you said lord you are being kind to me there are many issues <laughs> there are many issues in my life you are only touching the surface go ahead lord clean me out clean me out i said i will i will clean you out step by step by i will clean you out okay that's what it is talking about Okay, in all things. Now suddenly he's talking. You have to read First Corinthians with a lens to see how many things mm. are there. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Vindicator, the leadership is vindicated. Mm. You have done what I told you to do. But personal application is that question. Go back to that question: Is that you allow? Would you agree this would produce God-centered Christians or not? So. Of course, can only produce God-centered Christians yes. or not? You know what does what do you want of me, Lord? What do you want me to? You know, and you actually see this is what salvation actually is. The the law, the picture, the picture of the law uh, gives us the picture. Let us say, uh, 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 John Manohar is there. We are living in Old Testament times. Times, okay. and john manoffer's uh, parents run into severe debt so i have money so his father says i want to sell john to you john to you so i can pay off my uh, this thing so but the law is very clear how i have to treat him and all so he he actually let us you leave the term slave he is actually serving me he is employed by me with his own facilities everything but he belongs to me okay and after 7 years or let us say the jubilee year is coming after 7 years he is free i can free him but he says i don't want to go i don't want to go i want to work with you forever i don't want that i want to serve you forever so what do you do you take him before the elders take the all put his ear and pierce it and from that it means he is my bond slave this is salvation When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we repent. God sets us free. He says, "Now it's your choice. 
do you want me to you to be my bond slave mm. in the kingdom of god ultimately in heaven those who are his servants who serve him for eternity are bond slaves that's how if you go to kjv and start the doctrinal text romans 1 one onwards mm. it's powerful how he begins he said i had the liberty i had the liberty i paul actually nkjv nkjv sorry i paul a bond servant of jesus christ he says out of my free will he gave me the liberty he gave me the freedom out of my free will i have decided i am his servant forever i serve him okay ultimately that is liberty mm. you will realize you know the best job is to serve god you can get get a better job than that to be god's bond servant is true liberty ultimately conviction repentance should lead us to that i am god's god's bond servant and that's why jesus became when he came down onto earth he became his father's slave bond servant and the father lifted him to the highest mm. i mean you can have your own desire and your master's desire and uh, you say father can you take this cup away father says no and you say okay i will go by what you want okay at no point if you look in our christian life is god taking our freedom away away yes at every point i still have the freedom to choose to obey or not to obey he didn't take it from his son he didn't take it from us so the son says father can you take it away father says no says son father can you take it away father says no this time he said not my will but your will be done the father says this is my will for you and he still chose and he says he got up and he said my hour has come let's go he's surrendering to the will of god i am still saying that jesus still had a choice not to die but he chose to die because if jesus did not have free will then we don't have free will mm-hmm. he had a free will and in that free will he obeyed no that is ultimately to what it should lead that is a restoration of a human soul a human soul is absolutely free when the soul is a bond servant of god then the soul will know god is good all the time that is god's nature mm. god is good all the time he never bad he cannot be bad mm. yes pastor pastor there's one thing one more question on this theme you have time to take another question right Yeah yeah one more question question number 22 it says again uh, talking about the will of the christian in the process of birthing what do you feel is the role of a christian in god's birthing process is it possible for us to negatively affect a spiritual birth in progress of course yes of course we can negatively affect a spiritual birth in progress like you see a christian has a role i mean you look at old testament pictures new testament pictures Old Testament pictures Israel has to be birth Moses has to be prepared mm. Israel cannot be birthed as a nation unless a man through whom God is going to birth it mm. and Israel's birthing is delayed because this man is delayed but God cannot birth allow Israel to come into premature labor because this man has to be prepared because he is a symbol for all time. Mm. He has to be the meekest, the humblest man because the children he is going to deliver are rebels. Wow. 
So birthing process of that man takes long time. Now, turn with me the, the second part of that question. Why is it important? Galatians chapter 2, hmm. verse 11 onwards. 11, okay. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him in his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would not eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Let me ask you this question. Which children do you think would be stronger in faith, birthed by Peter or Paul? Paul. Who would be strong? Okay, so it can have a negative impact. Who your shepherd is can have a negative impact. If you have a shepherd who's a compromiser, then you will have a compromised church. That's why all the seven letters are written to the shepherds of the church. You are responsible for your sheep. Most of them won't read their Bible. Most of them won't pray, but they're listening to you. So you compromise, they will compromise. You stay strong. At least some of them will come out strong. Okay. So it is possible for us negatively to affect a spiritual birth in progress. So the spiritual parent has to be like Paul. Balance of 11.22, Romans 11.22. Kindness and severity. Okay? That's how God is. Okay? Kindness and severity. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God. Balance has to be there. Okay? That when you are severe, the only purpose of severity is for restoration. Understand? In the kingdom of God. Please understand this. When we are severe, that when we punish our children, let's put in the family, it is only to restore them. It's not because we are angry. It's one of the things we tell parents while counseling. Don't discipline your children when they are anger. In anger and when you are angry, be calm. Be calm. Because when you are angry and disciplined, they're not listening to you. They are terrified. Mm. They are petrified. You ask them anything, they will agree to it. <coughs> not in anger have to have a firm grip on your self-control is that that virtue over there. You are in control. You are in control. You are in calm. And you handle that as an issue because you love the child. Mm. Love the child. But you, do, you don't love that behavior. That's why often when we teach, we counsel, I tell them, never discipline your child with your hand. Don't slap. Don't do anything like that. Discipline your child with a rod. It's called the rod of discipline. So that the child will always know the hands are for loving, the rod is for disciplining. The rod is put over there. The child is always hugged and embraced and loved. So the child will know the hands of my father is to bless me, to love me, to protect me, to care me. 
But when he disciplines, it is an object that is strange. And God says, judgment is a strange work. He doesn't like it because he's a father. Hmm. He doesn't like it at all. But he says, I have no choice. I have to do it. But it is not my natural work. My natural work is that I love my children. And I love them. When I discipline them, it is to restore them back. Get that picture very, very clear about God. And as fathers, that's the thing. We don't discipline our children because we are mad and they upset us. No. We discipline our children so they can be restored into the ways of God. This is what who God is. So, it is possible. It is possible. It often happens. We negatively affect a spiritual birth in progress, especially in homes. Children are, our children are all in, all our little children are on a, on a spiritual birth. They're not born again. They're born again and not born again. Yeah. Okay, like I said, uh, some people, uh, women, you go, they go for their um, delivery and the last 10 minutes they go to the hospital deliver and they finish in 30 minutes delivery is over. Some people are there in the labor room for 48 hours, 72 hours. Some people are born again just like that. Some people take, are they born again? I think so. They are in the labor process. But in that process, you need to realize we can negatively affect our children, little children. God is very, very concerned about little children. Concerned about them. We can negatively impair their birth and their spiritual progress. Because they see us. Let's be honest. We all fail as parents. We can fail. That is where uh, forgiveness with children are very, very important. Very, very important. But because... God put us there in front of them. And we can impede their spiritual birth because they look at us and they say, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I don't have to do it. Dad doesn't do it. Mom doesn't do it. They only talk, but they are not really interested in God. So impede their spiritual progress. Okay. Now, and the same thing can happen in the church also. If we are not separated and we teach separation, 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 you'll say, doesn't matter. Pastor actually is not separated. He likes all the things which we like. Still doesn't work. Right? But that's what it is. It is possible for us to negatively affect a spiritual birth in progress. And the Christian has the image. Because, you know, where is that... Uh, which letter Paul says, do I have to go through all that labor? The Galatians only. Yeah, Galatians. Till Christ be born from yeah, the Yeah, see, look at it. This is a, this is a real father. Okay. Oh, four, uh, chapter the, four, chapter four. Yeah. Verse 19, yeah. Four nineteen, yeah. What purpose then the law serve? No, Not four nineteen. 1920. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone for I have doubts about you. What is he talking about? A whole set of Judaizers came into that church and took them back to the law. They have become an impediment to the spiritual birth of this church. Uh-huh. Yes, that's why he's so mad. If you look at the letter, no thanksgiving, nothing. 
He's so mad. Curse be those fellows. Curse be those fellows who are stepping you back to it. Anybody comes and preaches another gospel. He says, you know what? I birthed you. I set you apart. I left. These dudes came in, turned you back into another doctrine. I have to come back and birth you all over again. So they became negative influences. Negative influence. That's why we always tell you, be careful. You are in GDC. Listen to us if you are in don't listen to all these other people listening to every YouTube channel. The problem is, you know what? Then you won't listen to us. But as long as you are put with us and God has asked to stay with us, we are the shepherd's voice to you. We are the primary voice God will speak to you. But when you listen to all these other voices and you come to us, you don't. You're debating with us. You won't. Because if God has placed you in your church, that shepherd is God's voice to you. Primarily, he, he speaks to you personally. But that shepherd is the teacher God has put. Right? One of the major problems is people are all around this thing, listening to that one and listening to this one and listening to this one. And you know what? When they actually come to listen to their pastor's voice, they're not able to hear. But God actually speaks to you. Let me ask you this question. Why did God speak to Samuel in Eli's voice? Principle. Mm-hmm. The principle. Mm-hmm. Why was Samuel birthed in Hannah's womb through Eli's mouth? That's where he's put. That's where he's put. That's where he put. And he's birthed through that. You know? And fundamental. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn. That should be all secondary and tertiary. It is not primary. Primary. That's what I have Why do you think our churches abroad are blossoming? It's because they listen to us over and over and over and over again. By the time um, uh, we just uh, woke up today, right? There are people who already listen to the message twice, three times already. They said, we are listening it again. We are taking what God is speaking to us. Because they know the voice they should listen to. And that's our problem. Our problem. And this is what we have to be very, very careful about. (laughs) Because remember... There are only two teachers in the church. That means it's a go, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. Verse, verse 7 onwards. To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And what did he do? He took the first generation people, all up to heaven. He gave gifts to men. And now this is ascended. What is it? Let's leave nine. Okay, nine. And what is the gifts he gave? He gave himself some some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and, and teachers. Okay? Now look at Look at this. This is not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why yesterday I said restoration will take first with the message, message. then the ministry gifts, mm-hmm. and then the spiritual gifts. Okay. These are gifts of God to the church. Mm. The Holy Spirit's gifts are gifts to individuals. The ministry gifts are gifts of God to the church. And one of the gifts of the church God has given to is your pastor. Mm. And if you look at it, the Bible is very clear. He gave himself some to be apostle, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. No. no some pastors and teachers. Pastors and to every pastor. The one, one mm. of the weaknesses of the churches in the world is that all pastors are not teachers, but all pastors are called to be teachers. Mm. Pastors and, not some, 
pastors and teachers. So basically, when you are put in a church by God, placed in your church, your pastor, teacher, is your gift of God to you. Gift of God to you. He's the primary voice you have to listen to. You have to be very sure. This is God has saved you. God has put you. That's why Paul is upset with the Galatians. I birthed you. I am your pastor. I am your apostle. And you're listening to these crackpots and you have gone away, gone back to the law from which you were saved. I have to come back and redo the whole thing again. You know? And that's why you have. I'm telling JTC Hyderabad. Honestly, JTC Hyderabad. You don't have to listen to anybody. Just read your word and listen to us. You will make it to heaven with your crowns. Because we do our homework. We are not slack. We are 24-7 to see that we are not judged according to James chapter 3, verse 1. We are very, very careful. We may go wrong in so many areas. Behind the pulpit, we are absolutely careful to see that we don't goof up. Because if we goof up, people will goof up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it. Just read your Bibles, meditate on the Bible, study on the Bible, listen to our messages. That's more than enough for you. You will do it. That's what all our pastors do. They read the Bible, listen to our messages. That's more than enough for them to preach through the month. Because we do, because they have so many meetings, so we do the homework for them too. Because you may be wondering, why do we, we preach one hour, 45 minutes for them? Because some of them have 10 services, 14 services a week of different languages. We take the meat and put it for them. They slice it and serve it through the week. And then you're going all around the YouTube and this thing, listening to everybody. No wonder you're confused. You're confused. You don't need. Actually, honestly telling you, you don't need. You don't need. We give you enough. But you have to do your personal devotion with God and hear from God on your own. And if God is calling to your ministry, that's a different thing. Okay, remember, that call and that gift comes together. If you're called as an apostle, you are a gift. It's from Jesus. It's not from the Holy Spirit. This is from Jesus. This is ministry callings are from Jesus. Gifts are from the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's Jesus who calls. So you have to look at it and you will realize it is what? You will not have room for error. But once you are saved, imagine you got saved outside of some. Once you are saved, you need to be very careful where you go. That's what happened mm-hmm. to me. I got saved outside the church and I couldn't find the church. There was no church. Nowhere was the word being taught. I wandered for years until I came to Hyderabad. And then I went to three, four. First I went to St. John's see. Yes, I said, you know, I escaped from this. What am I doing here? And I came out. Then I went to AG's and I said, okay, it looks like a theater. Okay. Then I found a small church. And the pastor was good. He was good. I heard the word of God being preached. I said, this is where I stay. I found my place and God said, stay there. And there he called me to ministry. And he said, I also called you to ministry. I was called there. Okay, so you have to look. The first thing you have to look for is this. Where am I being taught? Because they gather daily for the apostles' doctrine. You can get fellowship many places. Some places fellowship will be really, really good. But you are not going there primarily for fellowship. You are communion. You can get in any church. It's not a big thing at all. But that communion will be worthless because there is no doctrine. Hmm. If doctrine, how do you judge yourself? Exactly. No? So ultimately you get into a church where the Holy Spirit of God places you. You will be taught of the word of God. 
and you cannot, if you go back to the question, you can negatively impact a spiritual birth in progress. Everybody is in the progress, everybody. And somebody, that's why we are so careful about the pulpit. The pulpit. No, very careful. No, we had a brother who used to teach and then he left. And I'm okay with him leaving because I know very recognize this thing because doctrinally I understood we are Pentecostals and he is not a Pentecostal. We pray in tongues, we speak in tongues, we believe in all the gifts. So I respect his decision to say that I cannot continue. I understand that means that pulpit will make you uncomfortable if you're not a Pentecostal. If you're not a Pentecostal. It will make you uncomfortable. We were not uncomfortable with it. Always with Pastor. You know, we are not upset with Baptists. We love their preaching. But Baptists are upset with us because they are... I listen to all of them. I like them. They are very good teachers. We are not upset with them. My question is, why are you upset with us? Because you got a problem. We have no problem with you. You got a problem with us. Okay, Because you deny something which is true. So you have a problem with us. We don't call you names. Oh, every Baptist is demonic. No. You say we are demonic. Because we pray in tongues. You got a problem with us. We have no problem with you. Okay, So you're happy for a Pentecostal. You cannot grow in a Baptist church. <laughs> I'm not saying you will not. After some point, you will stop growing. Because they cannot take you further. They cannot take you further. But if you are a Pentecostal, be good in the word. Don't be this superficial Pentecostals are there. They don't know into the word at all. They are only operating in gifts. They will preach for 10 minutes and then start ministering, ministering, ministering. How much time do you need healing? Teach them to walk in health. Yeah. How many weeks you will do deliverance? Teach them to walk in liberty. Liberty. <laughs> but that's what happens in most Pentecostal, many Pentecostal churches. Yeah. Only this constantly, that is not a church. It's not a church. That is a hospital. Full of sick people. Nobody healthy there. But that's not what God said. That's not what God said. God said that's not. You teach your people, you know, equip your people so that they can go and equip others. You have become witnesses. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yes, Pastor. The first of 2022. is a good, good. Okay, so make this resolution. Serious resolutions, everybody. I'm telling you one. I will read my word every day. I will try it. If you are a person who read your Bible through in a year in 2021, decide in 2022, I will read it twice, twice. over. Increase, increase. You can ease it. It's not a difficult thing. will increase it. I'm going to read through my word. I will keep my time with God one-on-one. I will not cut off from it. Whatever eventuality, I will not. Three, I will not miss church. Unless I have, it's I'm in another place or something. But I will not miss church. I will go to church. We still have this. Make those resolutions. And fourth resolution, most, I will not watch junk. Mm. I will stay off YouTube. I will stay off in mm. internet, everything. I will stay off it. You do this for, in 2023, you will not only be restored, <laughs> you will be overflowing. Mm. Man. Okay. Overflowing. I still remember one of Derek Prince's old from messages. He looks at the crowd and says, I'll only ask you one thing. I don't know whether you will 
you will be happy about it. But if you just take the time you watch TV <laughs> and the time you spend reading the word, just change it. It will be holy. <laughs> just change it around. That's all you have to do. <laughs> just change it around. No, because everybody reads the Bible for five minutes and watches five hours, <laughs> right? Or whatever it is. So just take this and put it there and take this and put it there. You got the news and you have the good news. Hmm. That's what you do. We shall pray. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's close in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts, Lord. You are a good God. You're just not our God. You are our Father. Even as we heard this evening, oh Lord, you are our Father who doesn't want to judge us, oh Lord, but you discipline us because you love us. And therefore, thank you, Lord, for reminding us and teaching us so many things, oh Lord, Father. And I pray every answer that we heard this evening, Lord, will become relevant to our lives. And Lord, that we will walk in the promise that you have given to us as a church, Lord. And it will come to pass because, Lord, you said in your word, the word of God that you preach will not come back void, but it will accomplish its purpose in our lives. And therefore, I pray that each one of us in our church here in Hyderabad and all around the world will fulfill the conditions of the promise so that we can experience the fruit of the promise that you blessed us with, that you gave it, given to us this, the, the beginning of this year, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again, O Lord Father, for this time. Continue to, Lord, minister to us. Uh, enable us, Lord Father, never to uh, come out of this attitude of meditating and thinking about what you've spoken, spoken to us so that, Lord, our lives will change because what when we think, when we change the way we think, we will change the way we behave. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and if it's your will, O Lord, uh, for us to uh, have another day in the land of the living, I pray that we will all come back to church expecting to hear from you, from you once again. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.